Okay, item number 78 is a four-part motion. Um, part A is a motion to approve business terms as set forth in Exhibit 1. Part B is a motion to approve master development agreement between Broward County and Matthews Holdings. Part C is a motion to approve second amendment to the amendment and restated design agreement between Broward County and Matthew Holdings Southwest. And Part D is a motion to adopt budget resolution within the general capital outlay fund, transferring from the reserve in the amount of $12 million to fund the hotel design fees included in the second amendment of the design services. Um, part A, um, do you want to take it away, Alan? Good to go. There we go. All right, just a um, couple things to point out about the motions before you, and then I'm going to jump right into this. Um, you were uh, initially, because of uh, time constraints, given uh, a partially completed agreement, a list of business terms, and a list of outstanding business terms. I'm happy to report to you that there are no longer any outstanding business terms. All of those have been resolved. And regarding outstanding uh, legalese, we are very close to the finish line on that as well. There's literally less, I mean, not even a handful of items <coughs> uh, regarding that as well. So um, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Myers uh, and his staff in particular, Mr. Kerr and Mr. Sanowski uh, for their efforts in that regard. Um, the item regarding uh, the amendment to the design contract is, is specifically to bring us to the next step. This is a multi-step process, so the monies associated with bringing us to that next step are well within the budgeted funds that we had um, uh, provided uh, to you previously, uh, and we'll be bringing to you another step in the future. Uh, for an additional amendment to this design contract to finish. So this next one uh, brings us to 90% uh, construction drawings for the Western expansion, uh, and uh, it brings us a little further along on design development. We have to bring the final amendment to you to bring the rest of the project up to completion uh, with the construction drawings. All right, let me uh, jump right in. So. Uh, you have all received extensive information from us. I'm going to try and encapsulate that information as best as I can for the general public. And before I do that, uh, I would be remiss not to acknowledge a few people. And I'm not going to go through this list, but I did want to at least list in the public record uh, a number of people who have contributed. And that first group of people are the group that have spent the most time with this. Uh, I will tell you that uh, it's a, a group that has worked long and hard, has not always agreed. Uh, we have been pains in each other's backsides at times. Uh, I have the distinction of being the chief pain, uh, as the, the group will attest to. Yes. Uh, but uh, we've, uh, we've come a long way, and, and uh, we're, we're proud to be delivering a quality product to you. Um, there are other staff. Uh, up there and other staff that are not up there that have contributed and there are organizations up there including Matthew Southwest who has really worked with us in partnership on this and I also want to point out the city of Fort Lauderdale that has really um, been working with us on partnership or in partnership uh, for this uh, project. 
So um, here's our uh, agenda uh, that I'm going to go over. Housekeeping, the uh, county attorney asked me to point out a few unusual aspects of the deal for you. There is a termination for convenience limitation in the deal. Once the hotel and the east expansion read 25% completion, we then give up our right to terminate for convenience. Uh, at that point, the western expansion will be done, and the project is so well far advanced that uh, we didn't see the need uh, to retain that clause. It's not something we typically do, but it's something that we're very comfortable with. There is a cap on the liquidated damages uh, for this, uh, and that is something that is fairly consistent with other deals that we have seen out there, but is not something that, again, we typically do here. Uh, but we have very robust liquidated damages when it comes to the delivery of certain specific products uh, in the time schedule. We have also, similar to the airport uh, deal, North Runway project, included early delivery incentives, and uh, that will you'll see that in the final contract as well. Lastly, there's just one little housekeeping. The cost limitation sheet that I shared with you that listed all the project costs, the dollar amounts for the owner contingency is correct, but it, it listed as a 5% owner contingency. It's actually a 4% owner contingency. That's the only technical correction I wanted to make. Um, other than that, let's, uh, let's uh, jump right in. So here's, uh, here's one of our most recent renderings. The, the project has somewhat stabilized. Uh, you're looking uh, where the existing convention center is. The dark gray is the existing convention center. The light gray behind it is the western expansion. To the right of that is the new hotel, which is going to be built right up against the convention center, so it will be one seamless facility. And in the foreground on the left is the new eastern expansion, where the new ballroom, meeting rooms, and uh, kitchen facilities will be. In the foreground as well, you see the new public plaza, which will uh, provide for our programming for the convention center and the hotel, special event programming for the community, and an amenity for the general public uh, to take advantage of. So we have started demolition activity, as you know, at Portside. We'll, still be, we'll soon be moving to Terminal 1. Uh, we have finished schematic design on the West Expansion, and GMP-1 has been delivered to us, and staff is finalizing their review of that. Schematic design for the hotel and the East Expansion are scheduled to be completed um, by the end of this week. Uh, we have already submitted uh, the DRI amendment application to the city, and we're in discussions with them now about that. And before you today is uh, the Matthews contract. All right, so let's talk about risk mitigation. There are several uh, items to talk about. Uh, our CFO mentioned to you in many of the briefings that the, the one thing that keeps him up at night is construction risk, and there are several aspects to that that we want to address. One is whether or not this is a level two versus a level three project. A level three project requires that your existing facility be brought up to current code. The city, after several meetings, has um, taken the position that they believe this is a level two project. That is based on uh, certain statutory thresholds uh, regarding the work area that uh, you are 
working in and the value of the project as compared to the property as a whole. Uh, so we're, we are within those thresholds and as long as we don't change the direction that we represented, uh, this will be, uh, continue to be a level two project. Um, and were that to change for any reason, we would sit down in the city and make the appropriate changes in uh, cost or work area to bring the project back down to a level two. Uh, that's what we're planning for and that's what we plan on building. Uh, with renovation expansion, uh, there's always risk involved in working on an existing building uh, as opposed to tearing down and building a new building. Uh, we have an excellent design team and contractor team in place and they are working hard to ensure that uh, the plans that we are making take into account the specifics of the existing structure, uh, the, the, the phasing that we're doing as well to ensure that this is a safe project and one that does that does not result in unexpected uh, situations. Project scheduling, there's always a risk with that as far as are you gonna make your schedule and meet certain milestones. For example, the, the 2021 boat show, uh, we are scheduled to open up the Western expansion just prior to that. Uh, we have the ability to accelerate the project uh, by working longer hours if we have to. We'll know well in advance if we're gonna meet our schedule and we'll take the appropriate actions to ensure uh, that we stay on schedule, even if we're delayed by weather events or, or any other unforeseen circumstances. Resiliency is another area uh, where there's potential risk and I'm gonna go into a little more detail in that momentarily. And then parking uh, is technically a risk uh, the city uh, has taken the position that they're happy with the parking that we're providing for the project. They, they do not want to encourage more parking spaces, uh, but technically what we're putting forth does not meet city code. We'll go through a process which is also part of city code that allows us to reduce the required level of parking. And the city, again, in partnership, is um, looking forward to working with us to bring our parking numbers down. Uh, as far as, did I go the wrong, yes, I went the wrong way. Okay, so now let's talk about uh, some analyses that we conducted. We did a deep dive to ensure that moving forward, we brought you a product uh, that we can truly uh, represent that we believe in. So on resiliency, uh, for the hotel, the east expansion and the plaza, we are going to be adding height to the site um, and uh, the uh, the, the bathtub is old language that I just realized I neglected to take out, so just ignore that. Um, the new language is the dry island um, uh, vernacular, and so what we're doing is we're raising the height of the new buildings. We're going to be including what are called knee walls into the um, facades, which creates uh, further uh, protection. We'll have protections for the doorways, and so the new buildings will themselves become dry islands were the site ever to uh, become wet. We're also gonna be putting resilient materials at the bottom of these new structures and also locating critical systems, not at the ground level, but at higher levels. So for example, the hotel is gonna be set up in such a way that were the ground floor ever to flood, we'll have the ability to relocate the whole check-in function to the second floor. And the, the facility would be wired appropriately to accommodate something like that. So while work is going on in the ground floor to dry it out and bring it back up to where it needs to be, we'll still be able to function appropriately uh, in the rest of the structure. 
For the existing convention center, we looked at a variety of different options. We uh, do want to move forward with redundant electrical systems uh, for that uh, facility. And then we analyzed uh, three uh, options, what we're calling the get wet, dry island, and tear down option. In the get wet option, uh, we would be installing resilient materials in the existing convention center and then assuming that if the site floods, the bottom floor of the facility would literally get wet. Uh, because of the addition of the resilient materials and what we already have in there, we would expect a, a, a fairly quick turnaround time. Uh, and we went through a cost-benefit analysis of that, which was rather conservative in nature. Um, and I should note, by the way, that the, the likelihood of this happening is during hurricane season, where we have no bookings or very little bookings at all. So the loss, the potential loss to business is minimal, and um, our ability to uh, get back up and running uh, should be pretty uh, quick. Uh, so we did that cost-benefit analysis and looked at um, projecting we'll get wet for X number of times a decade uh, moving forward, and um, the net present value of that was still substantially lower than the other options that we looked at. And we couldn't justify the higher costs than the other two options I'm about to talk about because we didn't see the benefit coming back to us um, as, as far as what we would get in return for our money. In the dry island option, as I already described with the new buildings, we would literally create an island of dryness in, in a sea of flood, so to speak. And the difference between the 96 and the 132 is the 96 are manually installed panels and the 132 are automatic hydrostatic panels that automatically raise as the water level raises up. And then the teardown option, which I'm going to be going down into more detail, the cost of that it differential is anywhere from 191 to 217. The $26 million differential is, is about the parking that I, I mentioned to you earlier, but I'm using uh, the lower number again to be uh, conservative here. Um, so moving on, the teardown option. So we spent a lot of time looking at this. Um, the, the advantage of the teardown option, of course, was reduce risk. It's less risky to build a new building than to add to an existing one uh, through redesign. We uh, had the potential to design a more efficient footprint. And for resiliency, uh, we looked at building a new building on top of a new parking level, which would raise the building up and eliminate some of the other concerns that I raised earlier. Uh, when we looked at the flip side and the cons for that, the costs, as I've already shared with you, are significantly higher. Uh, from a scheduling perspective, we would not be able to accommodate uh, the boat show for at least a year, possibly two. The schedule would require a shutdown of the convention center for three plus years. Uh, we felt that there would be a significant loss of credibility in the meeting planner market, given how many times we have attempted to do this project and then, you know, uh, decided to throw in the towel. And there is an element of continuity that we can still maintain with the current plan that we would not be able to maintain in the facility where we did completely tear it down. And that continuity deals in large part with uh, our partner SMG, the staffing of the facility, and, and how we work in the hospitality community as a whole. We also then looked at a phase construction versus a shutdown scenario. Uh, while the phase construction on its face seems 
attractive because you'd still be able to support some business. We realized because of how the phasing plan was laid out, we would still not be able to support any of the large shows that we had booked, uh, hence why we had to start canceling them. And we would not be able to accommodate the boat show uh, for at least a year uh, in that scenario. Um, with the shutdown scenario, we have a new accelerated schedule, so we can bring a product to you a year earlier than we originally uh, had planned. The Western expansion is even further accelerated, so we'll have that by late 21, uh, and I'll share the, uh, the full schedule with you in a, a couple of minutes. Um, it's lower risk and cost because we're not in there working while people are in other parts of the building. We're not spending extra money to do the phasing plan. The insurance costs are a little lower. We can accommodate the boat show every year with this plan, and it's a very strong preference of the city. The, the city's decision uh, uh, about a level two or a level three was predicated in, in large part on the fact that uh, we said we would be willing to shut down this facility pending your approval. Uh, I have a note up here about the employees. Uh, a couple of you asked me about that, and I wanted to point out to you in the binders that we shared with you, there is a transition plan that shows the continuation of some of the SMG employees. We have already reached out to the hospitality community through the Hotel GM group and the Tourism Coalition, and they are anxious to take our other employees on. There's actually uh, not a plethora of or a surplus of employees in the hospitality industry uh, in our community, and, and they're anxious to take on our folks because they know that they're good. So we're looking out for our employees and uh, finding places for them. Project costs. Uh, I last reported to you uh, some time ago that we were in the $900 million range. We're now uh, topping over a billion and that is due to that list uh, in front of you. Um, we have added some upgrades to the existing convention center. This is, these are voluntary upgrades that we're making specifically in the areas of fire and life safety to bring those systems up to current code. And that was also um, a position that greatly enhanced the comfort of the city of Fort Lauderdale, the building official and the fire marshal. There are additional amenities that were not in the original budget and additional space. Uh, for example, we, uh, we realized that we were a little short in storage, and so we added a mezzanine, 32,000 square feet, to accommodate that. Resiliency I've talked to you about. We all know about tariffs. That's hit our bottom line, as has just inflation for the time period uh, that has um, uh, gone on since our last estimate to you. But I, I want to very importantly point out that the numbers that we're showing you now, we feel are the cost limitation. They're, they're the, the max that we're going to be coming to you with. And we genuinely feel that we're going to be able to bring some of these costs down. Value engineering is typically used in the mechanical sense, but I'm using it in a broader uh, design sense to say that we're going to be looking hard at what we now have before us to see if there are opportunities to save. As we've discussed with you in briefings, in the GMP process, there's an opportunity to us for challenge and negotiate where we are with that. And it's also important to know that there is a competitive bidding process with all the subcontractors involved with this job. The contractor is prohibited by our contract to self-perform. So the, the lion's share of the work is going to be done by contractors or subcontractors who are competitively bidding for this job. 
And so we, we expect these numbers to tighten up. Um, as far as next steps, we now have to submit what's called a design review committee submittal, and that is uh, ordinarily a, a precursor to the site plan process. That's going to go to the uh, city, uh, and then we'll respond to the comments that we hear. We're not expecting a lot because we have spent a lot of time with the city planning folks already, integrating their comments into our design, and so we expect this process to go fairly smoothly. Uh, as soon as we uh, cross the I's, uh, actually cross the T's and dot the I's on the Matthews contract, we're going to jump right into the Omni negotiations. They have patiently waited for us to finish, and now we'll uh, go into negotiations with them. And I want to point out, uh, for the benefit of Mr. Hill in the audience, that originally when we said we were going to bring the, the development contract to you, we would also have a labor peace agreement. That was under the scenario that the developer was going to be funding and owning the hotel. Now that we're funding and owning the hotel, we're going to be bringing the labor peace agreement to you in conjunction with the Omni contract. And so you will not see an Omni contract without a, la without a companion labor peace agreement. And that's been uh, discussed uh, with our labor partners as well. Uh, we will do a more official groundbreaking later on uh, summer, early fall. Uh, we'll continue developing uh, our design development and construction documents. Uh, we will have to go through the GMP process for GMPs two through five, as well as go through the bidding process. And that, by the way, I, I failed to point out, will be a transparent process that we will have access to. Uh, so it's not something done behind the scenes. We'll be able to see what's going on to validate that it is, in fact, a competitive process. Um, Mr. Tablack has talked to you uh, to some degree about project financing and uh, bond issuance, and uh, that will happen once we get uh, some firmer numbers in during the initial GMP process, and then, of course, uh, we'll start construction. This is uh, sort of... The, the major milestones for uh, the schedule. Um, and so we're, we're, we're looking at starting the underground infrastructure work for the Western expansion next month. We'll be uh, receiving GMPs two and three in October for review and finalization. Underground work for the East and the hotel will start in November, as will the vertical construction for the Western expansion, GMPs four and five, uh, in April of next year with the vertical construction uh, for the new buildings in May. And then, as you can see, completion of the West expansion, October 21, the East expansion, January 23, and the hotel, May 23. As I mentioned to you earlier, we are incentivizing the developer to uh, deliver the hotel to us earlier, and we're hoping that is the case so that we can take advantage of the seasonality of the hospitality business and open up during the better months uh, of the season. Uh, with that, I, uh, I'd like to open it up to any questions that you might have. I got a motion to second. All in favor? No. Uh, Commissioner Ryan, you got first, and then uh, recognize uh, Senate Kanish Geller. It's a rather ambitious timeline. And um, knowing that we've had a start and a stop on several previous um, occasions, it's important that um, we stay on time. And um, those that will not be able to use the convention center when you do the total shutdown, uh, the longer that is, the more of the business activity that we might possibly 
lose permanently. So um, I had a couple of questions. I <clears throat> like the idea of the expansion of the existing convention center as opposed to a teardown. And you, you had to merge that with your um, sea level rise resiliency plan. Uh, and, I, and I think you've done a, a pretty good analysis on that. Um, that also will entail uh, a number of uh, levels of review from the city of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, just very briefly, where are we on that site plan approval process with the city? Um, we, we, the first step is to submit, as I uh, told you, the DRC package. Mm -hmm. um, that will be completed within the next uh, 30 to 45 days. Uh, that's a compilation of not only the schematic design, but a, a, a number of engineering reports, renderings, um, site plan information, transportation um, information regarding traffic movements, pedestrian movements, and the like. Uh, that's all going to be put together. We'll have to go through that process first uh, before uh, we move on to the next step. You had provided us with this large package on the um, convention center expansion and the construction of the headquarters hotel, um, a 13-page um, summary analysis. Part of what you um, have referenced is that the project will be phased um, into different components. And uh, you speak to um, the underground utility work, which is the utility relocation, for the western expansion, where you're going to add that additional 150,000 square feet of the exhibit space, that's going to be first floor space, and that will be able, the way it's constructed, will be able to accommodate a further expansion, uh, a westward expansion, uh, on on a second floor. Is that correct? Correct. All right, and then you also speak to um, uh, underground work on the western expansion, the utility relocation, and then you speak about. Uh, or reference underground and early foundation work on the eastern uh, portion. Are you going to be able to, or is the contractor going to be able to, simultaneously do this uh, utility relocation and the underground work, uh, foundation work, simultaneously on the west, uh, the western uh, expansion and also on the eastern construction? If, if I'm understanding your question correctly, so we're starting with the underground. And by the way, thank you for pointing out um, uh, Jack Matthews and David Snell from Matthews are here. So if you have any questions uh, for our development partner, uh, please feel free. Uh, so the, the first underground infrastructure work will be happening west of the existing convention center. And that work will in no way interfere with the existing operations of the current facility. The, the work, the underground work for the eastern expansion and for the hotel will not happen here. And let me actually pull the schedule up so I can show you. That work um, will start happening um, in areas where we can work and then continue once um, the convention center is shut down later in 2020. Um, uh, we're going to be lopping off the north end of the convention center, uh, and we'll be able to finish the work in that area at that period of time. Uh, but the, the, the demolishing of port side opens up that significant area for the hotel, and we'll just have that 40-foot wide area to finish work in 
once we take down that north end of the convention center. I'm not sure I answered your question. Well, I, I think you, you did, but um, is, there, is there some kind of impediment to doing the uh, western expansion with regard to the um, underground work uh, at the same time that you're doing underground work on the, on the eastern construction? No, there is not. And um, you're, you're doing it in um, uh, various phases, and uh, you have a guaranteed maximum price in each of the phases. How many, how many phases are you have? do you have total? Five. Right. So it, phase one is what's before you now with the contract, and that's the underground work for the west. Um, phase two and three involved underground work for the east and the structural work for the west. And then the phases four and five is the actual construction of the east expansion and the construction of the hotel. So the, the numbers that you showed for the total construction is just over a billion dollars. Um, and you speak to some efforts to uh, reduce costs as best as possible. And um, one of the um, items that you mentioned is through value engineering. How do you uh, foresee that this value engineering will be able to provide some reduction in the total cost? Well, we're, we're fortunate that we have some expertise uh, in our uh, consultant group to look at what's being suggested by the design team uh, to validate that. Uh, we can look at systems to specifically value engineer those. But what we're also going to be looking at, Commissioner, is space allocation. Uh, we've been designed uh, a, a beautiful hotel and a beautiful expansion. We want to look at the square footage uh, that they've designed and see whether or not all of that square footage is absolutely necessary. We don't want to cut back to the extent that we compromise the quality of the product that we're putting forth, uh, but if there are legitimate opportunities for us to save, uh, we do want to explore those. And you referenced in one of the exhibits um, add alternatives, meaning that if you're going under budget, that there are certain enhancements that uh, may be incorporated into the project. And I just wanted to be sure that um, add alternatives would not delay the, the opening of the project because the timeline seems so critical uh, for us. And so I just wanted to be certain that that's kind of the add alternative is kind of a luxury as opposed to something that you really should feel you need to plug in. It's a great question, and, and the way that works is that you, when you establish your ad alternate budget and provide it to the development team, they then come back to you and give you um, trigger dates, essentially, that we need a decision on this by this date in order for us to integrate it into the current schedule without compromising that schedule. All right, thank you. That's my question, Mayor. <sighs> And Commissioner, thank you, Mr. Mayor. A couple quick questions. Uh, first, I want to go back on the labor peace issue. Uh, as you know, I had brought up a motion which this commission voted to uh, send for drafting um, to put labor peace into the agreement. You know, there have been very extensive negotiations between organized labor and SMG, which I've intervened in on a number of occasions. So I just want to verify when you said that it's not in there now because it will be there when we do the agreement with SMG, that as far as you're aware, there is full agreement uh, between the parties as of now and that you're committing that this is part 
of the agreement with SMG. When would that be approved, by the way? So yeah. I, I, that's on today's agenda. Okay. And, and I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because there are actually different labor peace agreements involved with this project. Right. So the, the labor peace uh, language and, and agreed to terms that uh, you led the charge on are included in the SMG agreement. That's all I wanted to the do. Labor so, piece, and the language that we okay. agreed on. Right. There's okay. a separate labor peace agreement for the hotel. That's what we'll be coming back to you with when we bring you the agreement with the hotel operator. Okay, because the labor peace agreement at the convention center references, and in some cases I think incorporates by reference, the labor peace agreement with SMG. But that's what we've agreed on, we're voting on today, correct? Correct. That's all I need to know on that. Secondly, um, I wanted, uh, I'll wait for the county attorney, so go that to th third. Okay. Oh, secondly, I don't know if this question is to you or the county attorney. As you and I went over, the difference between level two and level three involves whether or not it's over 50%. South Florida Building Code says if you're renovating something more than 50%, that it counts as a teardown and you have to meet every code. And I understand we're already meeting, we're budgeting for life safety improvements, but not the other items. I just want to verify from you and the county attorney that you've advised me that the hotel and the convention center are being treated as two separate projects, and that's how we get the convention center in under the 50%. I just want to make sure that that's what you're saying and that the county attorney agrees that, that we can treat them separately. And has the city agreed to that? Yes, and, and I'd like to clarify what you just said. Yeah. So the hotel is a separate project right. that is being built to current code. I understand that. The Eastern Expansion is a standalone building that is also being treated as a separate part of the project, and that is also being built up to current code. So the city is basing their determination solely on the Western Expansion of the existing facility. County, you agree? County Attorney, you agree? I would uh, ask Mr. Kerr if he could come up to address it, but is my understanding of it is that there has not been a... I just heard him say that's correct, so I'm fine with so, that. But, but, but please, well, with a caveat. Come on up, please. Mike. Yeah. Right. I just want to make sure that there's no unexpected surprise later on this. Yes, Commissioner. Uh, with regard to the separation of the uh, projects, yes, they are being the east and the hotel are being treated separately. With regard to the western expansion, when you ask the question, has the city made that determination, they have verbally made that determination that the official determination will not be made until plans are submitted and they approve of the design set of plans. Okay, thank you. Um, what is the, our max bonding capacity? Because I'm, I'm just concerned when we've said, I add up the 491 and 584, that's a billion 75. Um, I know we're trying to get that number down, but I've been around government for decades, and the idea of most government projects coming in earlier than expected and under budget is wonderful, but normally it's the other way. So I just want to make sure if, 
if for some reason it does exceed the billion seventy-five, if it's a billion one or a billion two, do we have sufficient bonding capacity to handle if we can't get it up the billion seventy-five? So I think this is a, probably a question that um, our CFO should answer while Mr. Tablack is coming to the podium. Um, if I you just say yes, I don't need him. Okay. Well, the answer is yes. Okay. And I, I do. I do know. think it's important. Okay. I do think it's important that I, I remind the board that these are two different funding sources. So you, you really can't look at, look at them in tandem, one funding source and another funding source. So, I understand that. Yeah. But, but the, there's one, the bonding is, we're still bonding both sources. We're, there will be two bond issues right. because the funding sources are different. Mm -hmm. Mr. Tabla. Commissioner Geller. Yeah. Uh, so, Part of that is dictated by interest rates at the time that we finance as well. Right. And the required coverage ratios. Uh, earlier today, you hired our underwriter teams for both securities that we'll issue. So in relationship to the convention center, where I think the risks as far as cost uh, are perhaps uh, more difficult, um, that's why it's so important to get the uh, estimate or the GMPs before we do the financing. We want to lock in the developer and, and the contractors to what is our guaranteed maximum price. From that, we would assess what current interest rate uh, environment in the market is at that point and uh, extrapolate from our coverage ratios what our uh, maximum debt capacity would be at that time. I would just worst case scenario, if in fact the uh, revenue streams and the current interest rates at that time did not support the GMP, you You'll would be required to, to shave costs no. and, and extrapolate the, a project that can be afforded and can be financed. All right. Thank you. And the last thing was more of a comment, not a question, which is, Alan, I reviewed, every, you know, we spent hours and I reviewed every document and I'll t repeat the same thing I said. The way that you presented the documents, we have no choice. I mean, you presented, you know, A, B, C, D, E, all support that this is the way we should do it. And I, I, I personally didn't feel like I got enough of the other side to make an informed decision. I felt, I mean, you were a strong advocate this is the way I felt for one side. It was a very good presentation. I just felt after, I, normally I can say, well, I either like this or this one. After I read your presentation, any reasonable person could only say, yeah, we have to do it this way. And I, I would have liked a little more of, of the other side because you created such a persuasive case. I can't believe that there were some more arguments on the other side, but what you, what you, uh, presented was very good, and I think we have to vote for it. I, I appreciate I'm that, done, Senator, but I will tell you that we, we did uh, endeavor to provide you with objective information, and, and you got a, a, a big binder, and I'm, I'm, I'm not taking issue with what you said. Um, I think it's just simply that after we conducted all the due diligence that we did, the, the direction was just so compelling in and of itself, and there were there were you know issues oh, which I recognize as possible. Right, and uh, we're good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I seeing no one else on the dais here to speak. I'd like to get a motion for. It's a four-part motion. Are we doing A through D separately? Yes. Or all together? 
If there's a reason to separate them, you can. If there's I have no reason, reason to, to separate them. Let's do it. This is item number 78, part A, B, C, and D. Do I have a motion? I have a motion and a second for all four parts. All in favor? Aye. Any opposed? Show that approved 8-0. Um, thank you, Alan. Great job. Thank you, sir. Um, so we, we are at 12:30. Um, I've, I've kind of sensed uh, through us, you know, through my psychic abilities that uh, some of the commissioners want to break for an hour for lunch. Um, is that in, in most everybody's agreement here? Okay, we're going to break for an hour for lunch. Do I um, do I need a motion on that? You can. There's no objection. You can just recess for an hour if that's what you want, Mayor. Okay, we're going to be back here on time at 1:30. It's 1229. Thank you. afternoon. The meeting of the Broward County Commission is about to begin. Will all members of the audience in attendance kindly silence their cell phones? County Commission meetings are open to the public. Any member of the public who wishes to be heard must turn in a speaker form in advance. No further speaker sign-ups will be accepted after an item has been called. Each registered speaker typically has three minutes to speak. Please keep comments confined to the item being discussed. 
please show respect for others and refrain from making impertinent, slanderous remarks or personal attacks. Boisterous behavior, including applause, booing, and cheering, is not permitted. Thank you for joining us. The meeting will begin shortly.